beginning to feel a lot like, like Christmas. Christmas. Well, we're donning our Christmas hats, aren't we? Our Father Christmas hats. We certainly are. We've, we've taken a picture. We'll put it on the on the Facebook page. You can see. Um, I've been out for the day, and it is brass monkeys. I'm sitting here with my Christmas hat, which is just as well because I'm freezing. I've got a scarf on. I know. You look very cold. I know. I'm, I'm actually up. quite nice, and, nice and cosy. I know. And I've got twinkly lights in my uh, my yeah, window. Very well. Very yeah. nice. Very nice. I can't remember when we last spoke whether I'd seen Spirited or not. You'd seen I, it. I, I mentioned I it. Yeah. 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 I, did you like it? I did like it only because... Good. It was, I watched it with my youngest daughter and it was just, yeah, good, wholesome family entertainment. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I thought it was great. And there are, like you said, you can't really go too much wrong with Will Ferrell and No, they're Arnold. great. Well, I hope they do another one, actually. You know, something, yeah, they're bound to do another one. I, I would have thought, I would have yeah. thought so. I think it was good. I enjoyed it, and I watched the uh, the end of Slumberland as well with Jason Momoa. So that's that's out still as well. Um, so if you're looking at uh, TV movies, they're they're good ones to watch. So Apple TV is is spirited, and it's also out at the cinema as well. And there's a film that I forgot to mention that I saw a few weeks ago now, but I thought it'd be worth mentioning because it was released at a similar time, well, shortly after, is it Don't Worry, Darlings, the Harry Styles film that we reviewed. So he had a film that was released on Amazon Prime called called The Policeman, yeah. So I forgot that I watched that the week after we'd been, well, very shortly after we went to cinema to see his other bigger film. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a kind of a peculiar film set in the 80s. And it's really kind of a a forbidden love story triangle between this policeman, young policeman played by Harry Styles and a professor friend he meets and a girlfriend that Harry Styles' character meets. Harry Styles gets married. Meanwhile, he's having an affair with the professor we cut between present in 1980s and life today uh, and how their lives were affected by what happened back in the 80s. And so it's slowly kind of revealed as we go. But the interesting thing about the film from a Harry Styles point of view is that having seen him now in Dunkirk and Don't Worry Darlings and The Policeman, whereas in Dunkirk, probably because of the role he played being a young soldier, and I suppose it being quite action orientated to a degree. I found that in Don't Worry Darlings, we discussed that in some of the more intense, nuanced scenes, he struggled a little bit alongside Florence Pugh. In The Policeman, his acting for me just fell a little short. And I almost feel with Harry Styles, we're watching him almost learn to act on screen As you know what I mean? You know, like, obviously, normally when you watch a film, the people in the film have their actors. They've learned to be actors. And then typically we're watching them when they are an actor, whereas Harry Styles, because he's come at it from the other way. I suppose it would be the equivalent of like, you know, when when David Bowie started doing films. I almost feel like we're seeing him quite ring rusty when it comes to acting because he's just doing it 
still for the first time in front of our eyes. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes he's convincing and sometimes he's not. Uh, and he had a bit of a strange accent in this as well. So, yeah, but his performance in The Policeman, I thought, was worse than mm. Don't Worry, Darlings. And it was quite a bleak film. I, I wouldn't probably recommend it unless you're interested to see Harry Styles. Mr. Styles. Mr. Yeah. Styles. It's on Prime, isn't it? Amazon Prime. Oh, um, right. My Policeman, it's called. And I was trying to look, think of where Slumberland was on it. It was on Netflix as well, if you want to look those two up. And I also saw a film called After Sun which I think I mentioned I was going Okay, to yeah. Um, and The Biscuit Factory, is that right? That's right, that new kind of indie cinema. Mm. Yeah, it's, it was a very, very slow, ponderous film. I would say it's very much falls into that critics film where it's not what's kind of said, it's what's going on under the surface. It's the story of a father who goes on holiday with his daughter and the daughter is capturing a lot of the holiday on a camcorder. So we cut between some of the camcorder footage and him. He's suffering a bit of a mental breakdown, which we kind of capture glimpses of. And occasionally we see the daughter looking back at this from modern day. But although it's incredibly well acted and the production is beautiful, I just found it too ponderous and too slow. So whilst I respected it to a degree, and I, you know, this is a film that's getting five stars everywhere. For me, it was just too slow. You know, when a film leaves a lot for the audience to figure out, those films that linger with you, they don't answer mm. all the questions. Mm. I love those types of films. There's elements to a degree, you could argue, maybe, I don't know, in a film like Nope, maybe. But but those films that make the audience work harder to try and gain sense of them. There's a limit, I think. If you go too far the other way, where there's almost nothing being explained to you, there, there just wasn't a traditional narrative in there at all to cling on to. It was almost like a collection of memories made into a film. And I think that's what I struggled with. A film has to have some kind of narrative to guide you along, whereas this was making the audience figure everything out and being given very little help. Mm, okay. Well, you know, it's a shame that those two, you know, that my policeman and uh, After Sun weren't a bit more uplifting, really. Yeah, they, no, you're right. But especially two... for this time of year, you want a bit more joyous, yeah, sort of celebratory things. And after I'm going to match you on that with the TV episodes I'm watching as well, because I'm watching the latest Crown and uh, The Handmaid's Tale as well. So they're of similar ilk in some way. They're quite hard hitting. And Slow Horses is back. That's quite comedic, as um, I have to say, but it's... Uh, it's a detective series. It's on on Apple Plus, Apple TV, and it's got Gary Oldman and Jack Loden. It's their second series, and it's it's brilliant, genius. Uh, ah, okay. You must watch that. So recommend Slow Horses, definitely. Well, to bring some more festive cheer then, I have <laughs> five Christmas themed hey. questions. Right, okay. So some of these questions, I think only two of them actually. Yep. I've just realised if I'd carried on saying what I was going to say. Okay, go on then. I might have given it away. Here we go. Straight on with it. Which 1982 winter animated film is only 27 minutes long? Uh, Ooh. That's really hard. But is this the one that you've you've given away already? If If I'd carried on 
saying what I was going to say, then I would have given it away. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't remember what you were going to say. I'm not. You are. You, you're not. But you don't. <laughs> I know. I stopped short. You don't need to worry. I I didn't really say anything. I, have... I was going to say something that would have given it away. I don't know Mickey Mouse and something. I don't know. The snowman. Oh, the snowman, of course. It's Think one... Christmas, Sarah. <laughs> I was going to say that some of these questions relate to films we've watched. And then I really yes. no, that would well, have given it away. <laughs> I'm trying to get my head. I need to get my head space into Christmas time or holiday time. Anyway, disregard yes, that. Yes, I should have got that one. Go the, on. The, yeah, next the, one. The questions aren't necessarily films you've seen before. Okay. So okay. Forget about okay. Question number two. <laughs> Which famous couple yeah. plays Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus in Netflix's The Christmas Chronicles and its sequel? Goldie Horn and uh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I can see his face. No, oh. Goldie Horn and and Goldie Horn and I want to say Jeff, but it's probably not Jeff. <laughs> Go on, okay. tell me. I know who it is, but I well, can't you know, remember the name. It's Kurt Russell. Oh. Jeff. Oh, Kurt Russell is listening in. The name there, Rob. Russell, the definition of the name Russell just came up on Amazon Alexa. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Okay, right. Always listening. So you've got half a point, I would say, so far. Mm, oh. I'm not doing very well at all. Question okay. number three. Yeah. In the hit Christmas film, Home Alone... Yes. Which city did Macaulay Culkin's family visit, leaving him behind? Oh, oh. New York? No, Chicago then. I'm I'm not. I'm listen, you Oh no, it's Florida. No, did they go to Florida? Did his family go or he went to? He went to New York, they went to Florida. Well he no, I mean he was stuck at home whilst they went on holiday somewhere. So where did they go? Oh, I'm holiday? thinking of number two. Yeah, Home Alone, not Home Alone <clears throat> 2. Uh, Florida. Paris. Oh, come on. <laughs> this uh-huh. is ridiculous. I don't know my Christmas movies. This okay. is crazy. Right. It's all right. I'm gonna, I, I would like to watch Home Alone, actually, this, this holiday. All right, okay. We'll come back I'll to be that. Watching Home right. Alone. Mm-hmm. Let It Snow famously plays out at the end of which 1988 action-adventure film? 1988. Now, is that Die Hard? Yeah, Die Hard. It is Die Hard. I managed to get one, (laughs) at least. No, there's one, and there's one question left. Oh, okay. In Harry Potter Mm. and the Philosopher's Stone, Mm. who mentions... That they never have enough socks because people always buy them books for Christmas. Ron Weasley, Professor Dumbledore. Listen, now I only threw that in because I remember getting a, a Harry Potter question that I never would have got, and was I the, thought that was I, the Ravenclaw. Yeah, I leader. thought I thought you might have been hot on your Harry Potter. That is quite difficult, I've got to be honest. That was Phileas Flit, Flitwick or Flitwick. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so there you go. I mean, Professor you've got, you got uh, one and a half out of five. 
I know it's terrible, isn't it? Can we do it again? <laughs> we can do it again. Edit, edit it all so I get them all right. All right, okay. Yeah, don't uh, worry. When we put this no, out, I'll edit in questions you get right. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay, so the two films we had to review this week were Last of the Mohicans and Violent, Violent Night. Nights. <laughs> I almost Violent forgot them. Violent Night. So which one are we going with first? The Last of Mohicans, I think, because okay. then we can have uh, Violent Night in the Rumble to Christmas. All right, sounds good, sounds good. Right, this was off your list, I believe. It was, yeah. So Last of Mohicans, released in 1992, quite an old film now, rated 12, directed by the great Michael Mann, who's also done Heat, Ali and Miami Vice, and he also produced Le Mans 66. Uh, it stars Daniel Day-Lewis as Hawkeye or Nathaniel, Madeline Stowe as Cora Monroe, who's the love interest. They've got Russell Means, who plays uh, Chin Gakuk, and Eric Schwevig, who plays Uncas, who are the native uh, Mohicans in this film. And then even Pete Pothelswaite pops up in this film as well. Good to see him, because he, I guess that was his purple patch around this time as well. So it got an Oscar for Best Sound, um, many BAFTAs for um, Best Makeup and Cinematography. And I love the score, actually. The music is so memorable. As soon as it started playing, I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's I, remember the, I remember that, the soundtrack now for this. It's based on a book by James uh, Fenimore Cooper. It's set in, I think it says 1757 in North America during the French and Indian War. The last members of the dying native American tribe, the Mohicans, uh, which uh, include Uncas, his father, Chingagook, and his adopted half-white brother, Hawkeye, live in peace and support the British colonialists. But when the daughter of one of the British colonels is kidnapped, they're asked to find and protect Cora and Alice Monroe in this gruesome war. I mean, this this film's beautiful, stunning, uh, the, the natural beauty. And right at the start of the film, you see um, really the Mohicans just surviving, you know, going on their instincts. And you see that all the way through the film. It's romantic as well. It's got two love interests in this film. And yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts, Rob. I thought it was a bit of a throwback film. I felt it had a lot about it that was very epic, very sweeping. It had that orchestral score. The scenery was beautiful. Apparently, the cinematographer for this film didn't use much artificial lighting at all because they wanted to capture the kind of natural feeling of the light that they had, which I thought very much came across. And yeah, it felt like watching a film of yesteryear for me personally. I mean, how old is it? 1992. So 1992. 30 years old. I mean, it is. 30 years old, yeah. Well, there you go. So maybe that's why it feels that way. It's the kind of film I don't really think you'll get made much today. I always like watching Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. he's... He throws himself into every role he's done. Apparently, this was no different. I think I read he spent months in the wilderness yes. uh, doing various training and all that kind of stuff. And yep. it's not really that surprising. I would say this role would be less intense in terms of the character he plays than My Left Foot, Gangs of New York, There Will Be Blood, 
this essentially behind the war story that this it's a love story and I hadn't seen Madeline Stowe. I mean, this was a period of time when Madeline Stowe was kind of in her pomp as well. She wasn't actually interested in doing this role until she was told it is a love story and she kind of came on board. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always enjoyed Hollywood films that have told the story of Native Indians and that period of history, I suppose, where the Native Indians and colonial forces impede on them on their land and seeing how all of that kind of plays out. I mean, I think to films like Dances of Wolves, for example, although it's a completely different story, it's still a story of Native Indians. So, so I, I think I found that really good. I thought those characters were played really well. Yeah, it was. It's just for, for me. It was almost like a kind of a, a Sunday afternoon film that you just get swept up in, and it also kind of had that stirring finale that you often get with the with these types yeah. of films. I, I wasn't completely bowled over by it, but equally, it's hard not to get swept up into the whole look mm. and feel of it. Um, it just felt like a very traditional cinematic love story from yesteryear, which is yeah. what it is. It's funny because when I was growing up, I know some of my male friends, this is one of their favourite films. I feel this film's up there with you know some of the great 90s, noughties movies like Dances of Wolves, which you've said. There's Revenant, there's Braveheart, and there's some incredible fight scenes. And uh, there is a bit of gore. There's one scene with um, with Colonel Monroe where he gets his heart taken out by one of the um, the Indian tribe members, and it's for me it reminds me a bit of of Indiana Jones as well, where you don't see them physically take it out; you can see what's going on. But then he holds up this this heart, and it's exactly the same as what I saw in Indiana Jones. I don't know whether this came first or whether Indiana Jones came first, but anyway, a very similar nature and sort of very tribal kind of act. And then I think my favourite scene is well into it, the film where they've got this waterfall scenes and it's and you see that I think on a lot of the posters as well where they're taking refuge and um, Cora learns about her father, etc. as well. But Daniel, you mentioned already that Daniel Day-Lewis lives out, you know, he lived out in the wilderness months before the shooting of the film. He also trained with, with the army or, the, or a colonel to help with his shooting as well. Apparently, he had to take time out after this because it was unhealthy for him because he started to become claustrophobic and he had mild hallucinations as well. So he really got into the role, which is a bit worrying because you do hear about some actors um, getting into their roles and, and then obviously doing something silly which ends their life or doing something that's drastic and ends their life. And I'm glad that we, you know, that didn't happen to, to Day Lewis um, in this role. And I don't think it was probably as serious a role as he has done going forward after this. But uh, yeah, he really gets into that. And Michael Mann wouldn't allow a stand-in as well. So all the shots were were, were done all the, by the, 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 the stars all, all those, um, you know, stunts, fight scenes are all done by the by Daniel Day Lewis and, and and crew, and then um, he is, was inspired to make this film by watching a nine, the nineteen thirty six version of the Last of the Mohicans, uh, where Rand, Randolph Scott played played Hawkeye, and there was a different name as well for Nathaniel, but they changed it because they felt it was a, a name that was a, a bit sillier, Natty Bumpo. They thought it'd be laughed at by people of today or back in the 90s. So they, they changed his name to Nathaniel. 
Anyway, what are you, you going to give the film, Rob? I'm going to give it a seven and a half out of ten okay. for me. I think it was slow in places, wasn't it? But it was certainly beautiful. And I can see why it got BAFTAs and Oscars for the areas that it did. But yeah, I'm going to give it an eight out of ten from me. Good, good, good. So on to a bit of Christmas. Well, this is the first... Well, this is our kind of Christmas movie, isn't it? Yeah, Violent our, Night. Yeah, yeah. So this... <laughs> this I'm laughing because it's, it's, I got, know. it's got a bit of humour, obviously, to this. It's got a lot of humour. humour. So Violent Night, directed by Tommy Wakola and written by Pat Casey, Josh Miller. Incidentally, I didn't realise this, but afterwards, it's the same writing team that brought us Sonic the Hedgehog, which actually is a film I actually quite enjoyed. It stars David Harbour as Santa Claus, John Leguizamo as Scrooge, and Alex Hassel as, um, who plays uh, the father of the family in this film. So Christmas Eve, Santa Claus is having a drink in a pub in Bristol, of course. And that's the kind of film it is, really. He's uh, drunk. And he's there sat down lamenting the fact that children have become completely selfish and materialistic over Christmas uh, in a world where no one knows that he even exists. Um, So, you know, he's having this chat with the locals. He says it's time to go. uh, And next minute he's walked upstairs to the roof of the building, the, the bar woman thinks that's a bit strange and uh, Hmm. walks after him because they just think he's just another Santa Claus who was chatting to another Santa Claus um, in the bar. She walks up to the top of the uh, pub um, and sees Father Christmas literally taking off in his sleigh with the reindeers. She can't believe it. As Santa sweeps by, he looks down and it's this beautifully festive, lovely, warm, fuzzy moment, and then he pukes all over her face. And that <laughs> kind of that setup <laughs> tells us, okay, this isn't going to be your usual uh, Christmas warm, fuzzy film. So we then cut to over the pond in America, and we have Jason with a separated wife, Linda, and their daughter Trudy, and they are in the car on their way to spend Christmas as they do every year with Jason's millionaire mother Gertrude go to her mansion celebrate Christmas and you've got all of the misfit family members there you've got the alcoholic sister called Alva you've got her new boyfriend who's this like wannabe action star Morgan Steele and you've got (laughs) uh, Alva's son Gertrude who's this, this kind of online streamer guy and unbeknown to them the staff are all mercenaries who have taken on these Christmas-themed code names led by Mr. Scrooge, played by John Nicozamo. So you're kind of waiting for these uh, characters to come to life and for the action to begin. So they take the family hostage with a mission to raid the mother's vault and steal the family's fortune. Now, unbeknown to the mercenaries, our drunken Santa has turned up and is delivering gifts. So he soon realises what's going on when he's confronted by one of the mercenaries. And before you know it, he's in a full-on fight. He escapes to an outhouse and is about to kind of leave. He's reluctant to get involved. 
And he has this change of heart when he sees this sledgehammer, which triggers this flashback to see what his life was like before he came Santa. And he's this axe-wielding Viking warrior. He sees the sledgehammer that represents the axe to him. He decides he's going to, right, he's all powerful. and He's going to pick up the sledgehammer and he decides, right, no, I'm not going to leave them. He already knows there's a girl in there. So he returns to the house to take on the baddies one by one. Now, helping him along the way is the daughter, Trudy, who's escaped the hostages into the loft where she communicates with Santa on this Christmas present walkie-talkie she's got from her parents. And she's the only one in the entire story. They're all kind of, you know, horrible they char- are. characters, really. Mm. Uh, and obviously Santa. We know we love Santa. He's just he's just think that Christmas is sold out. But beneath everything, we, you know, he's a good guy. But um, the, the one shining light is Trudy. She's the only one who still believes Santa's real. She's a believer. And, she, you know, her only Christmas wish is that her parents get back together and become family together. So that's oh. it. The way this was built, and I think this is perfect, really, it's Die Hard meets Home Alone. Pretty much kind of sums it up. Yeah, um, and Bad Santa, I'd say, as well. And a bit of bad, you're right, and a bit of Bad Santa thrown in there as well. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly different. <laughs> Sarah, what did you think? <clears throat> I went to see this on my own <laughs> again, I, but I did watch the whole thing this Yay! time. <laughs> and I was actually pleasantly surprised for a day of opening, Friday morning, it was quite a busy cinema. And the only thing I could think of is obviously David Harbour is a really good draw, obviously from Stranger Things and the Black Widow. He's a Black Widow star as well. Um, I mean, I found it a bit weird at first with this Father Christmas in a 15-year-old film, and it was really challenging the do you or don't you believe in Father Christmas? And I'm happy with the way it kind of panned out, really. Being careful because my children are probably listening. It was full of punch-ups, shoot-em-ups, quite gory in places. Had a bit of humour. I actually did laugh out quite loud when the first scene, uh, which you just described as well. And the Lightstone family were just hideous. They were horrible, horrible family, apart from Trudy, who was, and her mum, I would say, who were just nice. And you would want, you wanted to to protect them as well with your your thoughts. And I'm so glad that Father Christmas or Santa went back and, and helped Trudy in the end. Um, I didn't realise John Guizamo uh, was, was, is in this film. He played Scrooge, as you said. And, and I love the fact that they called each of his, the bad guys crew, were like called Sugar Plum, Candy Canes, Gingerbread, etc. They're all named after characters or something related to Christmas theme anyway. And it was it was a bit cheesy, but it was it was a shoot 'em up action movie, which I think really pleases all from fifteen up. Anyway, to be honest, uh, it cost twenty million to make, and opening weekend it made thirteen million, so it's on good track at the moment. And IMDb are giving it seven point one out of ten, which is is usually a good watch at that rate as well. I mean, I liked it. I think it was easy to watch and full of action. It was a little bit more gore than I thought there would be. But, you know, that's fine. 
So you don't see so much of John Leguizamo, but he has been actually in quite a few cartoons and animations. He was Bruno in Encanto. He was in The Mandalorian. He was in um, Elena of Avala as well. But I haven't seen him in, to look at him in person on screen for quite a while. And, and not since John Wick, really, was probably the last film I saw him in, which was in, in 2017, the last one. And But he's got 11 upcoming projects, so quite a lot going on for him now. Maybe he had took a kind of break from things i was gonna say it's interesting you say that because he was in a film called the menu yes which is out i think it's out around now and i was thinking the same when i saw mm, that film I seen him for a while he plays quite a prominent role in that so maybe he's making a bit of a bit of a renaissance he always plays a supporting role i'd love to see him in a sort of more lead the lead role as well and then for david harbour there's you know there's the next series of stranger things to come uh, i thought the last series was the last one but it sounds like you know the next one is is coming soon and then he's got five upcoming projects and one of them with is gran turismo with uh, orlando bloom and he's got the thrashers with cooper hoffman who we enjoyed watching in licorice pizza as well so so there's lots lots to come for these actors and uh, it's just a good easy to watch film really if you don't mind a bit of action and a bit of blood and gore it's fine i thought it was perfectly watchable yeah it was good fun the main thing that stopped it for me becoming a really good film for, for what it was trying to do thought david harbour was standout in it yeah. you know you could just i actually thought and john lisguzamo he was pretty good in it i just thought the rest of the cast i just thought they were just quite I, like, for example, here's an example. So the mother in this, who is deliberately a kind of a conniving type mm. matriarch that you, you're not supposed to like, she was uh, played in this by Beverly D'Angelo. Now, she from uh, National Lampoon fame. So, but for example, I just thought for the kind of character she was, she just didn't, I, I personally just didn't think it was a great performance. I can imagine other actors who would have played those supporting roles so much better like i don't know like a Catherine o'hara i thought would have been great mm. in that role she could have done so much more with it so i wasn't quite sure whether it was just the quality of the, the writing for those characters whether they were or whether it was just you know there's only so much budget you've got i suppose for all this but for me harbour was great I, I just thought it could have been better and although obviously it's a film whereby most of the characters aren't likable deliberately i still felt they could have made them more likable the the only character i i, I had any interest at all in even for, for entertainment value quite frankly was david harbour and santa claus you could see what they were trying to do there were so many references to die hard too in this the, the connection there is of course is that um, John Leguizamo was in Die Hard too, so a lot of the stuff was lifted, you know, from that. And there were some scenes that I thought some of the language in it I thought was just too crass and too cheap. Mm, so there were mm. some lines we had this guy called Commander Thorpe that turns up as backup to the rest of the mercenaries. Yeah. Yeah. And there was just some scenes when the language that he used, I just thought took the whole adult part of this film just too far. I just thought it was just really cheap. So I just think they didn't quite get the balance right of the action, gruesome, adulty type humour with, I think, should have, there should have been more of a lighter comedic side to it. Yeah. 
I just yep. thought the balance wasn't quite there to lift it higher than just what was mm. a very, yeah, just a quite a watchable, entertaining film. But I just thought it could have been so much better. Back in the day, I think if it, if it was like 10 years ago and this was released, it probably would have gone straight to DVD and not necessarily been on the big screen, I think, because it was that kind of ilk of film. But and I completely agree with what you just said on on that side. But I mean, it's an e- as I said, it's an easy to easy to watch film. Yeah, and um, yeah, if fancy that kind of thing, go and watch it. I think you'll enjoy it. Just for the fight scenes alone, it's worth mm. watching. It was a neat concept. It is this Home Alone diehard, Bad Santa, mix them all together. David Harbour is brilliant in it. But I thought the rest of the ingredients didn't quite fit to make it something yeah. that could have been so much better than it was. Yeah, and and I thought it was good that they started in Bristol because I, I don't know whether he lives in, in the UK because obviously he's married to Lily Allen. And I was kind of wondering, maybe it's because he lives in the UK, they started off in Bristol and then took it over to, to America. Oh. And this is really interesting. Well, I didn't know he was. I didn't know he was married to Lily. Oh, uh, yeah, so that, yeah, that's, that's yeah. news to me. Oh wow, I didn't realise that. I was yeah. actually thinking, hang on, because you're watching it as a Brit, the Bristol thing obviously is it. This adds another layer of yeah humour to it, right? Yeah. But I was kind of thinking, hang on, who's the like? Does that mean you know how some films? will adjust the script often for, for the different territories that the film's being released in. Yeah. I kind of thought, hang on, let's just say, okay, you're, you're Ch- I don't know, this is it's being made partly as well for Chinese audience might see this film, or like on American, that I don't think they'd get the humour of a pub in Bristol. So I mm-hmm. was wondering, might they have filmed different versions of the location of that just to make I doubt it, it work? I, no, I would have I doubt, I doubt it. it as well, but it seemed just seemed completely left field. Yeah, I think it's the connection with Lily Allen. You reckon? Definitely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then if it was a connection with Lily Allen, wouldn't it have been London, not Bristol? Maybe they live in Bristol. You never know. I'm like you. I, yeah, I'm curious to know why that Bristol thing happened. Maybe you're right. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but being a bit different, I suppose, at Christmas time, because it was a different kind of Father Christmas film, I'm, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Yeah, same as me. I'm going to give it a 7. Cool. Good. So the new film we are going to, to watch is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, which is released on the 23rd of December. That's right. He's done with Bond. He can dive into as many of these <laughs> Knives Out mystery films as he wants mm. to do now, can't he? So, they have a good star cast as well, don't they? They always the do. I mean, that, that's the good thing that you all get with these films. You're going to get a good ensemble cast. Mm. Uh, all, all we know about this one is that famed Southern detective Benoit Blanc travels to Greece for his latest case. Uh, so who have we got? We've got Edward Norton, got Kate Hudson, Dave Bautista, Chanel Monet. And I'm sure many more. I think those are probably the. Oh no, Hugh, Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant. Ethan, Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Okay, Serena Williams apparently is either in it somewhere. Natasha so. Leon as well from um, Orange Is the New Black. It's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt. There you go. Yeah, they're going to pop up, aren't they? They are going to pop film. up. Absolutely yeah. right. Apparently, I heard that it'd been so long since Daniel Craig had played the character that he mm-hmm. had to spend quite a long time getting back into the accent. Daniel Craig played another film during his time as Bond, 
where he had a really kind of southern droll American accent. And I think that's the almost the appeal of and the success of this of the first mm. film is just seeing someone playing against type, having been used to, well, especially for an American audience, seeing him almost primarily as a star as James Bond. Yeah. It's, it's kind of just interesting, isn't it? And comical to see him doing something completely different. So, yeah, and... As we all know, there is definitely this whole murder mystery, Agatha Christie thing, is definitely back on the radar, isn't it? I'm sure there was even this teenage murder mystery thing that I think came out not too long ago on one of the streaming channels. And we have like Yes, I think it's Netflix. It's like a TV series, actually. It's not that's right. I don't think it's yeah, it's one one of us is lying. But I watched the first one. Very cheesy. Yes, I watched the first one. I felt exactly the same thing. Series two's out now. Yeah, 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 precisely. <laughs> but then, you know, we've got Kenneth Branagh bringing the old Agatha Christie's back as well with Death on the Orient Express. And you know, so yeah. there's definitely a bit of a resurgence with the whole kind of whodunit. So that's yeah, where this no, is. This cool. is nice. So um, I'm going to choose one of yours, aren't I? You are going to choose one of mine. And we're going to, are we going to make it Christmassy? I think we should make it Christmassy. Okay, I'm going to go for Guilty Pleasures then. Can I just choose one of my Guilty Pleasure Christmas films then? Yes, yes, go for it. Okay, well, I have mentioned this film before and I think it follows on quite nicely from Violent Night. Not quite as violent, but definitely more of a 12A, and that's Gremlins, the (laughs) 1980s classic. Um, It is a classic. I think a lot of people, 1984 is... A lot of people forget about Gremlins uh, as even a Christmas film. I, I mean, I've got to be honest, I was one of those people who did, and I ended up watching it with my son, and I think it might have been around last Christmas, and I just, yeah, I yeah. thought it was a riot. That is streaming on Sky at the moment, and you can rent or buy from most online platforms. A young man inadvertently breaks three important rules concerning his new pet and unleashes a horde of malevolently mischievous monsters on a small town. One thing that surprised me when I watched it, I forgot just how, well, it's a 12A. I checked on the BBFC website, but i got to be honest, it borders just beyond that, I would say, at times. Oh, really? <laughs> I'll be interested to see what you think. I can't remember who this, who's the actors in, in this film. I'll look it up. But I remember it being similar in style at the start as like Back to the Future. And then it kind of goes into obviously a different path to compare to Back to the Future, which is more family and futuristic. Whereas this is, you know, is a horror, really, isn't it? It is a horror. It, it is. You're absolutely right. I think, in actual fact, I think it's probably important to note that this is a comedy fantasy horror. It, it's kind of, it has a mystical element to it mm. as well at the beginning, almost Indiana Jones like in a weird way. Yeah. Um, so Zach Galligan. And Phoebe Cates, who we've seen in quite a few films as well, including Drop Dead Fred. That's what I remember her in. Drop Dead Fred. Wow. Chris Columbus wrote this. Joe Dante directed it. Chris Columbus, he went on to be huge, didn't he? That'd be cool. What other movies are you going to watch over Christmas time then? What, what, What do you recommend? Well, I suppose I probably won't get much choice about it, but... There are some films that inevitably get rolled out. Love Actually is certainly going to be probably be one of those. Yeah. Probably, probably The Holiday as well. Yeah, um, fancy watching The Holiday. That'd be good. I, I think I've already seen Elf. I've watched Chronic, Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2, uh, along with Spirited, with my daughter to just get into the uh, 
get into the festivities mm-hmm. uh, and we'll probably find a few other family films we can watch as well with yeah. just just a weekend to go yeah elf and home alone for me uh the holiday definitely i would like to i might watch that tonight in fact i fancy watching the holiday tonight there's rumors that they're getting together they're gonna get together Again, and do another yeah. one yeah and i also know that violent night they're gonna do a second one as well already oh okay they're lining that one up so so yeah there is more well to you come. know die hard one die hard two so. <laughs> that's maybe the second one might be better than the first one like die hard and die hard, die hard two I do you know what if, there, if there's, the if there's, if there's a second one, if there's a second yeah. one of this, I, I will definitely watch it, and I'll have really high <laughs> hopes that it's better because, <laughs> yeah, I, I did like it. I just wanted it to be better than it was. Yeah, yeah. The other film I'm keen to watch is Avatar, which is Avatar: The Way of Water, which is out on Friday the 16th of December. Yep, I'm I'm the same. I've heard that it's just as incredibly immersive as the first one, but you'd imagine it would be, I don't know, with technology having come so much further that it should be pretty amazing on the eye. I I haven't got huge expectations with the storyline, but I don't think I really care about that. I just want it. I'm looking forward to watching it just, just to be knocked out by the visuals. Exactly. I mean, James Cameron, is 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 amazing at doing that anyway, isn't he? Directing that. So yeah, that's one to watch, and I think we'll probably review that slightly in the in the next episode as well. Definitely. Cool. Oh, okay. good. Mince um, pie. I was hoping to have a mince pie and a mulled wine for this particular episode, but I wasn't organised enough. But I've got a Christmas party coming up this week. Christmas work mm. party. And I've had already had a couple of nights out Christmas drinks, so I am slowly yep. getting into getting into it. I'm actually doing my work's Christmas quiz as well, or holiday quiz actually. Are you the quiz oh, can master? I can I test two out on you actually? Okay, go on then. Which airport does Sam run through to meet Joanna in Love Actually? Well, I'm guessing Heathrow because isn't Heathrow the referenced at the beginning? Okay, Heathrow. Yeah, Heathrow. Yeah, and then this is a holiday one. Okay. Uh, which of these films is not a Hanukkah film, or doesn't celebrate Hanukkah anyway? Okay. But Die Hard, Little Fockers, with Robert De Niro and Owen Wilson. How dare obviously you? You've got Ben Stiller, Dustin Hoffman, Barbara Streisand. Die Hard, obviously, you had Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman. Uh, you've also got The Night Before with Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Anthony Mackie, yeah, yeah. Out of those three, which is not a Hanukkah celebration in in it. Die Hard. Yeah. Oh, go for that. I yeah. know. There you go. I, I couldn't remember. I didn't realise the night before because it's Seth Rogen's in it. He he's, he wears this sort of Hanukkah. I I've uh, never I've yeah. never even heard of that. I've never seen. Yeah, that film. yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. So it's quite funny. Anyway. Are you looking forward to Christmas as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Have, have you I'm asked Father Christmas. Christmas for anything? Um, no. Uh, <laughs> peace and love on earth, you know, just the Same usual. here, same there here. Go. Yeah, exactly. there we go. Actually, off the top of your head, what yep. would you say is your favourite film of this year? Ooh. What, that we've... Oh. That we've reviewed, yeah. Off the top of my head. I'm not very good at doing stuff off the top of my head. 
I'm trying, trying to think of the films I gave 10 to. I think you liked Spider-Man, didn't you? I, did, I liked it. I'm not sure I gave it... Uh, I mean, I did. I, I liked it. I'm just not sure. Okay, look, whilst I think about that, what what about you? I think I liked... Hmm, it was a bit different. I liked Nope, strangely. I think it was a bit slightly different. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. It's one up I, there, I, definitely. Yeah. And Wakanda. I did like Wakanda forever. Okay. I liked Coda. Coda was good. Oh, Coda was good as well, yeah. Um, I'm just that was back. the start of the year, wasn't it? Then I think well, it no, might... around March, April time, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Crikey, Moonfall. Do you remember that? Yeah, uh... which is the worst film that you... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, I think for me, actually, just looking back, I, I would go with Nope and Coda, probably. Mm, mm. They were I good, mean... weren't they? Yeah, no, that's cool. I was just curious. So well, let's see what uh, new ones will be out for next year then. Lots of uh, sequels, I think. Most films these days are sequels, aren't they? Mm. Or origin stories. So Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, have a fantastic Christmas, Sarah. Yeah, have a fantastic Christmas to you as well and to our listeners. And thank you very much for listening. Um, really appreciate that. And hope you come and join us next time for some more. Yeah, we'll see you again in, in 2023. I know, I can't believe that. <laughs> all right, see you all then. Bye. And that'll be our 70th episode as well. Oh, it will be. More celebrations. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to dress up this time again. I think we should. Absolutely. <laughs> new year, new outfit. Episode yeah, 70. <laughs> Right, we'll see you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.